Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Is that officially our theme song now? It sounds like it. I think it is. It's time. Another edition. Episode number four. Season one of All Things Florida. Good to be with you this morning. I'm Preston Scott. I am joined by Dr. Ed Moore, who suddenly, by his very presence, makes our show smart. Oh, boy. Good to see you, buddy. How you been? You're setting a low bar this morning. No, no, no. I set any low bars around here, sir. Don't you take that away from me. How you been? I'm great. Good week? Yeah, pretty good. Okay. All things good. All things Florida. All things Florida. Yeah. How could it be bad? We We live in paradise, my friend. We do. Uh, No complaints. Today on the program, interesting news about Publix that's rather surprising. Uh, Being sued for reasons that will shock you course we've got florida man to uh, talk about we've got some interesting stories as it relates to things that are being kicked around in session and around session we got nine good minutes that actually will probably end up being a few more with dr wayne riggs dean of flagler college but first the week that was and is to come sir yeah it's uh uh, when i brought this up you said well that was last week but but it it lasts Uh, i'm going to talk about daytona 500 uh, it's an iconic event in Florida. It's uh, 60 years old, uh, 62 years old, actually. Uh, Clearly, you want to talk about the mistiming on the flyover, that the well, young cadets sang too long. Yeah, well, it worked anyway. No, uh, it didn't work. They the, messed it up. Just the pageantry of it all. Yeah. I mean, I was there. And, yeah. You know, and, and uh, whether the president was there or not, you just, you're, you're overwhelmed uh, by, you know, a giant. 100,000 people and and everyone was talking in the broadcast about how the drivers the crew and the crew broadcasting the the event said there was a different buzz around Daytona this time around was there yeah it was live I mean it was energy high energy why Uh, maybe with the president coming okay you know you're standing there and Air Force One comes in and circles around the speedway. That is kind of cool. And it, the just the geography of it, the Daytona Airport is right behind the speedway. So you watch the plane come around, and you can see the plane land and go down the runway. And then the president, you know, comes in, and uh, he, I thought he was a little overdressed. You never see him not in that red tie and a fancy suit. You're at Daytona. I mean, you you, you got all kinds. What of did fun. you want to see him in a race car suit? Oh, no, but he could have worn a I thought uh, a jacket of some sort and maybe a polo shirt. Or okay, whatever. but okay. He, he never dresses down. Uh, he was the most well dressed person at. At the, the speedway, no doubt. And then the uh, Thunderbirds uh, did a, a bit of a show. I mean, they did a flyover early, like they do at football games and stuff. Not you know, there's Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds, 
but they did three flyovers yeah. and and in doing different formations and you're sitting there just in awe of the technology and the timing and and then the president went down and got in the beast uh and you know i, I knew he wasn't going to go up on the track uh, he stayed down below the yellow line and but did a lap you know which was very cool hootie was uh the the entertainment before the race and he had a pace car too he was in that darius wrecker yeah minus but, the blowfish yeah but the history of it all is uh really fascinating it's you know the, the birthplace of speed they call it but mm-hmm. they used to race uh, do a 200 mile race half on the beach and half on what now is a1a i mean they would go you know create go crazy and and uh, yeah i mean literally they would drive on the beach right drive on the beach yeah and it was uh, you know 200 miles of driving half on the beach and up on the road down the road back on the beach i mean you know you think of all of it's like the, the animated movie Cars, where they're they're dragging on the sand. Everything that can go wrong, yeah. You know, and uh, high tide. I don't know how that worked <laughs> out, but but yeah, you know, that's the history of this. And then in in uh, nineteen was it nineteen fifty nine, they they ran the first five hundred mile race. And Lee Petty, the father of Richard Petty, the iconic Richard Petty, was won the first race. Junior Johnson won the second race. And I think that's about when I got interested in racing was when the era era of Junior Johnson. And a lot of these guys came out of the Carolinas and stuff. They were moonshiner type people yeah. and, and uh, country folks. And uh, that's the the origins of all of this. And and uh, you know it, it's it's just got a neat buzz to it. And it's Florida now. It's it's been on TV. I think since around 1979, broadcast live. 20 million viewers are, are viewing in and seeing Florida. It was unfortunate this year that it rained. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, a little bit of a delayed start. We kept waiting. Are they going to start? Are they going to start? They did about 10 or 12 laps slowly behind the pace car. And then we I pulled the radar up on my phone and realized, uh-oh, there was rain coming. So we had a little bit of a rain delay. And then they got started, got 20 laps in, and then the rain really came and they postponed and raced the next day. It wasn't actually the longest in time of there's been Daytona 500s that went all the way to Tuesday because of weather in the past that took, you know, when you do from when it yeah. started to ended, uh, but it's the fastest. And and it was also the most laps run. Yeah. Well, you know, you end up doing at the end. Uh, 209, I think it was. Yeah. At the end, they do what uh, gr- what's called green, white checkered uh, where they've got a, They've got to get it done, and it's because if there's a yellow flag right towards the end. Uh, and the last thing I'd say is that Ryan Newman, uh, God bless him, he walked out of the hospital, and if you saw the wreck he was in, I the did modern medicine. I was there when Earnhardt hit the wall and died, and I, you thought for sure Ryan Newman had died in this wreck. The modern safety that these guys have is amazing. It is. They haven't lost a driver since Dale Earnhardt no, Sr. And, 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 and Earnhardt didn't wear all that devices but after that they all do good stuff when we come back nine good minutes which is going to be bonus time with dr wayne riggs dean of flagler college next on all things florida Welcome back. All Things Florida, episode number four. Ed, they said it wouldn't last. Yeah. <laughs> Big four. 
4-0 in the future. Our uh, our nine good minutes segment today. This is right up your alley. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, former president of the independent colleges and universities of Florida, buddy. Yeah. This is all you. Flagler College is one of our stellar members. And so I I decided to toss you a softball today. Mm-hmm. I, I brought in studio. I didn't bring a guest on the phone. <laughs> I went in studio, sir, and we have with us today Dr. Wayne Riggs, Dean of Flagler College here in Tallahassee. And uh, Dean Riggs, good to see you. Yeah, thanks, Preston. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ed. Okay, now you guys just ignore me. Go ahead and talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, no, really, it's funny because you're the two educated ones. I'm like, I'll just be here kibitzing and making sure we stay on time. Well, the programs that he have there that he has there are just amazing. I've been privileged. I think three times to speak to the graduating class of Flagler College here in TCC. And uh, it's people that you want to go to college. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that that is the most striking thing to me. You see when you're up on that stage and you're delivering the address and you look out and see beaming faces yeah. in, in the audience. It's just incredible. Uh, and it's, these are people that most of a good percentage of them are first, first time, uh, first in their families mm-hmm. to go to college. Uh, they've created a great opportunity here. Bill Proctor and T.K. Weatherill created it years and years ago. And it's uh, the first two-plus type program with the private uh, colleges. We have a few others in mm-hmm. ICUF that do that around the state. Fewer now than used to be because mm-hmm. once the uh, uh, Florida college system got the ability to offer baccalaureate degrees on their own, they said, oh, wait. That works. We'll do that. Uh, but in this case, it's it had roots, and it was deep, and it works. I want to tee this up for Dr. Riggs. And, and Wayne, this will be the way that I'm going to attack this, because a couple days ago, you were on the morning show with me. I, I want to do this differently. I want you to just give the, the big bomb, and that is that, that young people can get a degree to be a teacher, and, and it costs them how much? $10,000. Oh, now Not unpack bad. that. Um, well, it's based off of the tuition structure at Flagler Tallahassee in particular, I call it kind of a la carte, where um, you're paying for each class individually. There's no set tuition where you pay the $20,000 for the fall semester, $20,000 for the spring. You select what classes you want to take. It's $275 a credit hour. Um, and after you add all that up and we factor in the ease grant, which is essential for our Florida residents, it comes out to right around $10,000. And that's not just for education. That's for any of our majors. So, I mean, I think we're pretty proud about that. We have a mission uh, to uh, to make sure that uh, we're providing low-cost mm-hmm. education for first-generation students, as Ed was talking about, um, uh, students who have families, kids, single parents. Uh, one thing that struck me, Ed was talking about um, – when he had given commencement addresses two or three times, this was my first time. Uh, I was uh, at the campus. Uh, I just came here about six months ago, um, and it was my first graduation. And I said, how many of you – I said, all of the first-generation college students stand up. A third of our students I said, everyone who's a parent, stand up, 25% of the students. And I think that just it, it speaks to me that we have a mission here, which is to provide an education um, or to make education accessible to everyone. A lot of them are working while they're doing yeah. it and makes, uh, you know, they, they can get 12 hours and you have to have 12 hours to be full time in Florida to get the ease grant. And uh, they're, I don't know how they do it when you sit and chat with them. I mean, they've got families, they're working mm-hmm. full time, they're taking full time load of classes and they get through, they get it done. And it's, yeah. it's really a remarkable program. Is that the niche 
you know, speaking broadly, is that the niche now to find is to find a way to help people get that degree, get that advanced education at a price point that works and with the maneuverability to mix with life? It's the price point that you can do, you know, and, and every institution, uh, as he mentioned earlier in the week on the show, it's, uh, you know, depending on what level of frills or ne- necessary programs and mm-hmm. structure and buildings and stuff that you can offer at a cost level. But the private colleges work real hard to keep the, the tuition levels down and accommodate uh, working students and students that have schedules that are rather difficult. The, the large, fastest growing segment in private education, private higher education, is the over 25, mm-hmm. not the 18 to 22 year old. It's the over 25. I don't know what your demographics look like, but probably similar to that. Yeah, our demographics are pretty similar. More than half of our students at uh, in Tallahassee are over the age of 25. Uh, we have a decent number of students who are between 20 and 25 as well. But that is a faster growing segment. And this speaks to, I think, initiatives from Governor Scott and Governor DeSantis, where we want to see people complete their degree. If they've started it, we want them to finish it. It's going to benefit them in the long run. Uh, but I think the colleges do have an obligation to keep that cost down. Um, in Tallahassee, Flagler, as I said on Preston's show a couple days ago, uh, there's no frills. We rent our classrooms from TCC. No lazy rivers. There are no lazy rivers. <laughs> no. no lazy rivers. You have to go south for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering, is there is there a perceived uh, maybe misconception with private college? Because it occurs to me that in private education, in elementary and high school, it's pretty expensive. I mean, it's expensive to send your kid to a private school. And I'm wondering is if there's kind of a carryover and that people then assume that going to a private college is going to then therefore be much more expensive than the public university. There's, there is that assumption and in, in the demographics and the statistics don't bear that out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, more than 40% of the ICUF, the 30 institutions around Florida, more than 40% of those students are Pell eligible. Uh, I think the number's right. About 50% of them are from families with income $60,000 mm-hmm. and less. Uh, because the institutions work, when, when, once they admit you, then they figure out a way to make this affordable, uh, whether it's tuition discounting, scholarships. Uh, ICUF schools, uh, on average of their graduates, get about 13000 in scholarships a year. Then the state has uh, had this EASE program, it used to be called FRAG, uh, that really assists and makes it possible for a lot of these students. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to keep doing that because that's what helps make that 10000 for two years. I mean, that's really re- quite remarkable. Uh, they, Florida's growing like crazy. They need programs yeah. like this. They need partnerships like this. The, the TCC partnership, expand on that a little bit more, specializing in, in putting out teachers. Sure. Uh, this is uh, this is really particular to Flagler College, but uh, we had Jim Murdaugh. This was, I think, his brainchild several years ago, and the idea has been kicked around. Um, he hired a new provost, Madeline Pomariego, who used to be chancellor of the state system. Um, I was hired right after her. She and I got together over lunch, and we said, well, what can we do? Um, and we said, well, this is something that's been kind of sitting here. That's an idea that's being tossed around. I said, well, let's go with it. Let's get this signed, and let's get it delivered. Um, and we think it matches both institutions' missions of providing low-cost education to the Tallahassee community. Um, we've graduated more than 900 students through those programs, through TCC and Flagler working together. Mm-hmm. Sixty of our graduates have gone on to be teachers of the year within the Tallahassee region. Wow. Which is amazing. So I think this is where you see a private and public partnership really working well together. Um, but we have the same sense of mission 
uh, for the students, right, and for the Tallahassee community. Yeah, and if you talk to the superintendents in the, in the region here, uh, the the K twelve superintendents, they would tell you they want to hire these graduates. Yeah. I mean, they're they, why they they're just well trained, they're well educated, they understand the systems, they do a fine job out there, and they come out prepared to teach. Uh, and it's less labor intensive on this the administrative end when you've got a teacher that comes in a classroom fresh but has that background that Flagler provides for them. I think the key to our success, at least in talking with the education faculty um, that I've gotten to know over the past six months, is that we have our students engaged in what we call high-impact practices from the beginning, and that means they're out in the classroom from the first semester until they graduate. So they do what's called a practicum. It's three hours a week from the get-go. And so those students, if they don't know if they want to be a teacher, they're going to figure that out real fast. Um, And some of them decide, that's not for me. I don't want to be in the classroom but otherwise, they're getting that hands-on training, which matches with what they're learning in the classroom. So they're applying it from day one. And I think that's the secret to our students' success. Whereas at other universities, they're going to be in the classroom for four years. And then at the end, they're going to go and do an internship. And they might decide, oh, maybe teaching's not for me. Um, and I don't have all the practical experience that I need. I'm the guy in the room here with with like measured experience on a college campus on my wristwatch. Okay, <laughs> so with that said... It also occurs to me, um, Dr. Dr. Riggs, that you have students that, by and large, a little older demographic, but they're not looking for the college experience. No. They're kind of past that. They want to learn. Yeah. And I've got to believe that contributes to the success you're talking about. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, they're looking for a career. And uh, you know, if the teacher in that first semester, they... Uh, would-be teacher decides this isn't for me flagger also offers some serious business and accounting programs Mm -hmm. at at tcc so i mean maybe you want to talk about those options as well yeah sure so we do have students who decide they don't want to be teachers or students who just come to us saying i'm already in the workforce um how do i how do i boost my level of education so yeah we offer degrees in uh, business and accounting so uh the state auditor's office loves us not because they want to audit us but they love our students right who are uh, graduating with a practical accounting degree uh, and we're going to extend that out to public administration uh, for county, state, uh, local employees, uh, nonprofits. What we're interested in is delivering skills at the, for the four-year level, right, for the four-year degree that's going to be applicable to the Tallahassee community. And that's where I think we're always trying to center ourselves. So whether it's being a teacher, business, public administration, we're really kind of laser focused on that type of mission. For the parents that are listening right now, they might have a kid in high school that maybe this is something they want to think about. That kid's not interested in in getting involved in the college experience. They want to get going. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's the best way to learn more about Flagler? I would say uh, flagler.edu slash Tallahassee. Um, Really easy to remember. I appreciate you making time for us. All right. Thanks a lot, Preston. Thanks a lot, Ed. This is uh, your wheelhouse, Dr. Moore. (laughs) Anytime you want to talk education, I, I get fired up. You you have been a big proponent though of Flagler for a long time. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Good uh, people. The, the Flagler. I mean, we could talk about it on a different show just the history of the institution. Uh, you'd hear me talking about Henry Flagler. Yeah, he he built the main building on that campus, the old uh, Ponce Leon Hotel. Beautiful place. More of all things Florida next. Welcome back 
to All Things Florida on this Saturday morning with Dr. Ed Moore, formerly with the Independent Colleges and Universities of Florida. And uh, boy, the news this week, (laughs) there was no shortage of things in the news dealing with our lovely state. And Amendment 4 stands out to me, Ed, because the three panel judges, uh, the panel of three judges, I should say, from Circuit 11 of the 11th uh, Appellate Court, um, they ruled against the state Supreme Court in the state of Florida, which yeah, was interesting. Did. Yeah, and, it, and it's this argument about words, basically. And uh, you go back to the original when in Florida, when you put an amendment on the ballot, there's a law. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com process you have to go through and the proponents of that amendment went before the florida supreme court and were asked specifically what does this include when all terms and conditions of your sentence that's the that's the words that we're dealing with here and they said it, it included fines and restitution to the court to get it approved to put it on the ballot the argument now is Well, it didn't say that. It wasn't that clear. And certainly voters voted for this thinking that if you served your sentence, the time in jail that you were done. I mean, that's really where we're coming to here. And I go back to the original intent. Uh, That's my want to usually do, go to the intent of these things. And the proponents then said. So this court now is arguing with what the proponents of the amendment said a couple years ago. And, and say no, no, that's not what they really meant. Well, but but that's what they said, you know. So, uh, you know, it, it puts people on edge. Uh, there's they estimate about 1.6 million felons in Florida that might become eligible to vote, and a bunch of them have registered. But uh, you don't see huge droves going in. The voter registration rolls aren't growing exponentially because of all of these new folks. Sadly, some of it is recidivism. So, you know, sadly, yeah. you know, some people recommit. Right. And I'm curious, what do you think happens when this goes before? Because as I understand it, the governor is is wanting not necessarily an appeal at this point. He wants the full 11th Circuit to reconsider it. Well, and there's also a court case on this that will come up sometime this spring. For all of those wanting to vote in the March 17th primary, they, they're not going to be able to. Uh, you know, this is probably targeted towards the uh, fall voting this year mm-hmm. uh but you know it remains to be seen i, I you know I, I would hope that judges would have a blind eye to emotions and feelings and 
do like I just suggested is look what was the intent? What was this? What did they put it up there for? Not gee, how did the voters maybe read it? Do you think the mistake was made in not requiring them to put it in writing? They should have. Uh, yeah, that's that's the key there. You, if you're leaving something up to the interpretation of voters, it's kind of uh, gee, what, gee, I don't know. What do they really mean? And and then the bias of the individual judges, individual judges, comes into play. Well, I think they probably meant, no, it's not, it shouldn't be that. It ought to be very straightforward. This is what this amendment does, and this is what you have to do to be able to vote. And it, it unfortunately wasn't done that way. You mentioned to me that uh, a lot of people are unaware, and it, and it really is a story that's flying under the radar, is the impact that Hurricane Michael had on the timber industry. Oh, uh, huge. I mean, millions of acres of, of timber. I mean, for a lot of people, uh, you know, small farmers or small timber growers, that was their retirement. I mean, you know, it takes uh, 20, 25 years for uh, pines to grow to where they're, you can harvest in between there for thinning and other reasons, but to get the full profit out of growing you know, an acre or a hundred acres or a thousand acres, it takes a long time. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone for those people. And the federal government came up with a, a three hundred and eighty million dollar federal recovery grant that has yet to go out to anybody. And I, I did a little digging on it. And what the feds want to do is they want to cap per grower at one thousand four hundred and eighty acres. Or nine hundred thousand dollars of reimbursement per grower. Now there's some huge growers involved here, and then there's some smaller ones. The state wanted to use a, a metric of ten thousand acres, and then dropped back down and said, "Well, how about five thousand, or no more than three million dollars per grower?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're still arguing about it. Well, uh, Hurricane Michael was uh, back in eighteen. We're now in twenty. Uh, we'll have you know probably two hurricane seasons because it'll take them once they agree on what the specifics are. It'll take about six months for the bureaucracy to work to people actually get their money, and a lot of people have move on to other crops. They sell their land. The land's converted to just hunting land only. It's not in in play anymore as agriculture. Uh, it, it's a, it's a mess. Uh, you know, we've talked about this before on other shows that uh, Hurricane Michael, I still don't think from the federal government, has gotten the attention it deserved. Agreed. And, uh, the, you know, the people are suffering. You go down there now, two year, you know, year and a half later, and, and uh, these communities are still trying to, to get their act back together. And, you know, we talked about Panama City. I mean, Panama City's still got housing issues and school issues and mental health issues. Uh, it takes time, but you you're wasting time. The federal government right now in arguing this is wasting time. I had a, 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 someone that I know you know well, Ken Lawson, on on uh, the radio program that I do during the week uh, a few weeks ago talking about HUD money uh, possibly being available in the fall. Yeah. And $760 million available in the fall. And my challenge to Ken, which I followed up on in writing, was – Sit down, get Dr. Carson in, sit with the House Speaker, the Senate President, and the Governor, and and figure out a way. Borrow the money for whatever, but the rules don't allow for it. But Congress can change those rules, can't they? They can. You would think they would, but it it has to be of utmost importance to them. And for some reason, they found it. Let's just ignore, I think. I mean, Floridians should be insulted by the way they've been treated in this. And I and and you you and I both know our our purpose here on a Saturday morning is not to get overtly political. Yeah. Is there any chance that any part of this 
is due to the rather conservative nature of the area hit? Uh, I would hope not. You know, you is there a chance? Well, yeah, sure. There's always a chance. Uh, I, I just don't get it. I didn't get it back then. The federal response was slow. Uh, Governor DeSantis and the legislature did what they could at the time. Uh, but, the fe- you know, the federal government is quick to respond in some areas, you know, and, and very slow in others. And it may be, that, you know, there were California fires at the time. There were Midwest floods and hurricanes. You know, we had disasters all over the place. But they ought to be capable of responding. And it's, you know, a long time in right now. Could you possibly summarize the potential impact on what may come out of the legislature with regard to E-Verify? Uh, it's hard to tell at this point. Uh, there, uh, there are advocates saying, well, exempt this group, exempt that group. Ag got exempted in one form of the bill. And, and E-Verify, correct me if I'm wrong, is all about making sure that the people working in jobs in America are legally here. Yes, yeah, but relying on a federal database system that has had historically had flaws had identified, you know, my name, I'm applying for a job. My name is, uh, you know, Juan Gonzalez. And then they put your stuff in there and it comes back and goes, no, no, there's, he doesn't exist or he's not, not legal. And, you know, you're, you're third generation American. I mean, those kinds of things happen, not all the time, but sometimes. If you're going to rely on it for employment and something, it ought to work. It needs to be ready to go. Uh, there's some talk about you mentioned Ken Lawson, some about his his agency creating a Florida-based e-verify system that would take a long time and you know anytime. Does that make sense to you? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it, just put out there for an employer you, it, the way we've been running now that uh, you you got to provide you know birth certificate or different documentation to right. pr- prove who you are. Uh, and then you know, let the employers deal with it, and then fix the immigration system. The huge part of this is just fix the immigration system. If our tourism industry needs more workers than they have, uh, do adjustments to the immigration system so they can get them. If the ag industry needs more workers to come in on seasonal or guest worker visas, fix that, and that'll eliminate a lot of this. It would seem that this isn't overly complicated. It's just numbers. It's just tough to get done, but it's yeah. not complicated. No, no. Well, I don't know. Could you prove tomorrow that you're a U.S. citizen? And, you know. What I'm talking about, though, is it's it's it would seem to be a simple thing to fix. Yeah, yeah. But we seem to be struggling decade after decade fixing it. But you're not walking around with your papers. Show me your papers. Dr. Ed Moore with me. I'm Preston Scott. It's all things Florida. Don't don't leave us. Florida man next. Back with you. Episode four of all things Florida with Dr. Ed Moore. I'm merely Preston Scott. Just bringing the water back and forth. Don't sell yourself short. This is uh, this is a segment of the program that uh, I think I think people really look forward to (laughs) uh, the Florida Man segments of the show. But before we get there, just real quickly, uh, your reaction to the story about Publix finding themselves in a lawsuit for selling a chef's knife to a kid under eighteen who then used it to stab somebody? Yeah, uh, I don't know. You know. 
you just can't regulate stupid and and there's uh we'll talk about it in a little bit about billboard lawyers but somebody's going to sue on everything anymore i mean that's the error we're in but doesn't that get to the importance of words and the and the yes. importance of saying that weapon can mean anything yeah i don't know what if he's not just a scary looking gun what if he'd gotten a number three can of uh peaches and gone outside and bashed somebody in the head with it you right know? i mean it's, it's what is the purpose of the the whatever item it is you're using to go nuts on somebody does it go to trial or do you think it there there ends up because Publix is going to just look at it and say cut our losses settle uh, I, I don't know i hope yeah. they fight it yeah i would be in there i'll buy more i'll buy more stuff more stuff i'll you'll, go more green wise you're going to gain 20 pounds to i don't care i'll go point. no i'll go green wise i'll oh. go organic okay okay sure <laughs> florida man stories jensen beach and, I, and this is all i have to say um, a Florida man was arrested after being accused of rants and walking down the street with no pants. Hmm? That'll get you arrested. Well, or Baker acted one or the other. I In a feel. trailer park. In a trailer park. Yeah, walking around I'm with shocked. no pants. I'm shocked. Uh, yeah, I, mean, you know, I, I hope he gets the help he needs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His, maybe he only owns one pair of pants and they were in the wash. So. Uh, I, I'm just. I'm, here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping we never see a time when that doesn't get you arrested. Yes. Well, we're taken in under Baker Act and given some assistance. I yeah, mean, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't know what his rant was, but maybe his rant was someone stole his pants. See there? You know, you got to think of this. Could but, be your turn. Yeah, I've got one. Uh, Jackson County, uh, one of our neighbors to the west here in Grand Ridge, Florida, and I'm sure they didn't intend for the headline to come out this way, but the police there. Uh, marijuana in bra leads to bigger bust. <laughs> that was the headline. Who wrote the headline? I, I don't know. Was that the release from the PIO? I, I don't, you know, that's the way it ended up in the news. And and you look at a deputy assisted a vehicle, uh, a lady that her car died at 71 in Blue Springs Road, <laughs> and helped push the vehicle off the road. And as they were doing it, he got this odor of marijuana. And, and the, the lady said, well, I've got a joint I had been smoking, and I put it in my bra. And he, they, he called a female deputy. They came up and checked the car out. And I, I got the lister. There was a half a pound of crystal meth, packaged pot, all packaged up, ready to sell, scales, and a bundle of cash. <laughs> <laughs> so big it was a bigger bust in that sense yes you know? but it was just too uh she was arrested for trafficking which i thought was sort of ironic and that it was a problem with her car and the traffic but uh traffic and uh, controlled substance and uh possession with intent to distribute so you know if you're going to be driving around make sure your car's running if you've got illegal substances in your car mine segue so brilliantly it's almost as if we planned this and we didn't I'm watching live PD the other night and the sub show called PD cam and a Flagler County man, a Florida man from Flagler County is seen wearing Superman blue bikini briefs. I mean, he's just wearing these bikini briefs mm -hmm. and, um, and he's, he's showing the officer his, three foot tall marijuana plant that he's grown <laughs> he's proud of it seriously he's like isn't this thing like amazing i mean look at this and the officer's like uh so you have a, a card right you it, oh no man we need to smoke a bowl together <laughs> guess who called the police 
to have him look at that three foot marijuana. The he guy, did. He called. He called the police because he was proud of his plant. There you go. And he wanted them to see it. Well, yeah. he's, he's a budding farmer. You know, Bl- <laughs> Bloomberg said that you know it doesn't take much to be a farmer. There's you go. He's he is at the very least though he is a Florida man. Yes, yeah, definitely a Florida man. Uh, I've got a couple quick ones that just crack me up. Uh, this guy Scott Simon, twenty four. Uh, he pocket dialed, okay, unknown to him. He put his phone in his pocket and pocket dialed, and he was overheard discussing plans to kill somebody. <laughs> he had gotten in a fight, an argument with a guy at a Waffle House. I mean, this is all great ingredients for Florida, man. And then the guy got shot on the off-ramp of the interstate. And people had been listening to this guy, figuring out, I wonder where I can. I'm going to follow this guy. And He got com- convicted out of his own mouth by pocket dialing somebody who listened into this conversation. Then there was another guy, Pedro Bravo. He was arrested for murder of his roommate, okay? <laughs> his roommate, Christian Aguilar. The day he went missing, Bravo asked Siri to suggest a good location to bury a body. Uh, hey, Siri. <laughs> I killed my roommate. Where should I bury my roommate? Wow. These are true stories. I mean, you think, who does these things? Preston, who does these things? Florida man. Florida man does these things. (laughs) Wow. You know, you see stories like that from time to time where people plot their crimes by consulting with Siri or Alexa or whatever. Well, well, someone is listening, you know. Boy, and that's the truth, isn't it? Yeah, it's not mechanical. It's there's somebody listening to this stuff. We've covered a lot of ground in today's program. Uh, We always like to uh, leave with the one big thing, not necessarily from the show, but from whatever's going on in the news. What's your one big thing today? Well, February 22nd, that's today. Uh, It's George Washington's actual birthday, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. I started digging into that, and then I'm trying to connect to Florida down. And I found uh, the charter of... Uh, 1732 and think of 1732 there were a million two in the whole colonies of the united states nobody really lived much in florida spanish owned florida at that point in time and this guy named oglethorpe got this charter of 1732 to settle georgia to make georgia uh the third ended up being the 13th colony but uh in the charter i got a big kick out of this in the charter there were kind of three charges uh that was a defense against the spanish in florida a buttress from the carolinas uh, and second that they would have agricultural uh, products as their main focus they wanted to grow mulberry trees for silk they tried all kinds of things and thirdly it was oddly the only colony to prohibit slavery in their charter prohibit alcohol prohibit catholics and lawyers in the charter okay (laughs) so my thought on that was that the rum runners the priests and the billboard attorneys at the time all just came down across the border and came down to florida (laughs) (laughs) so you know it's just interesting tidbits of history i mean nobody lived down here i mean florida had the spanish had a couple of settlements and right you know uh, but they were going to settle and make Georgia this agricultural giant. But they didn't want any Catholics there. To, they, they didn't allow slavery at, at the beginning, which is interesting. Is the only colony of the 13. I mean, Massachusetts allowed slavery. 
And no, we're not going to do that. It showed you the mindset that occurred after they prohibited the importation of slaves and such. Uh, it was a sensitive topic worldwide that to not have slaves in Georgia that ultimately ended up being a part of the Confederacy. And yeah, you know, uh, but to to not have lawyers, uh, you know, Catholics was probably a dig at Spain. I mean, that that was the the difference there. But to, you know, we don't want any lawyers in Georgia. <laughs> wow. So they came to Florida. We got a lot of My one big thing this week actually connects to my Florida man story. I think one of the, and I asked uh, the new Tallahassee police chief, Lawrence Revel, his thoughts on live PD. He said, I love it. He said, it's allowing people to see more of what we do and how we do it. And I have long been an advocate of body cameras. Mm-hmm. There are, like there are in any profession, there are bad police officers. There are are people that should not be police officers. But the overwhelming number of them are unbelievably good. And they do something that we don't want to do. And I'm reminded every time I look at any of those shows, not just how stupid some criminals are, but I'm reminded of how unbelievably brave the men and women are that wear that uniform. And, And I just, my one big thing is to ask you, to watch live PD a few times and just recalibrate your view of our law enforcement. And we joke about Florida, man, but these law enforcement officers have to deal with these kinds of people all the time. And La- I, I, I watched I watched an episode recently where someone in the back seat rolled down a window while an officer was just asking for insurance papers, and she got shot in the face. Yeah. Uh, it's scary out there. Yeah. So God, just bl- God bless our blue. Uh, a- cooperate if you get pulled over. Yeah. That's just my word of advice. Anyway, uh, as always, enjoy the time. It goes by too fast. Yeah. Uh, hours not long enough. I think that's true. Have a good week. Uh, you too. All Things Florida with Dr. Ed Moore. I'm Preston Scott. We'll be back with you next Saturday morning. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.